Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 32 of the PDH Pod, the one and only Magic the Gathering podcast dedicated to the total exploration of the Popper Commander format. I am your host, Brad Drack V, and let's see what my co-hosts from the East Coast are up to. First, Dave the Akadron Vader, how was your week? My week was busy, but good. Yeah, that's what you're saying. <clears throat> yeah, I, uh, I volunteered to help a friend out. I have a friend who does uh, fiber arts. She, she makes... She crochets and knits things, and then mm -hmm. she crochets and knits nerd things, and then sells them at sci-fi cons. So amazing! We had a moderately sized sci-fi convention last weekend here in Boston called Aresia, and I was helping her out with that. So it's very cool to see the con like, from like the vendor set side. up the booth and everything. Yeah, and yeah. Like going. she she doesn't drive or have a car, so I was I was like getting all oh, the okay. stuff there, helping her set up all this. At stuff. least it's all light. Yeah. <laughs> she, all yarn and fabric. <laughs> yeah, she um. She has a, a a medical condition or two as well, so sometimes she needs to just go take a nap and needs someone to watch the, sure. the booth. Sometimes, sometimes it's a medical condition. Sometimes she just very badly needs to go attend a panel on dinosaurs. <laughs> and uh, oh. you know, you know how it is. With I, oh, I can't blame her for that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we've all been there. Yeah. So yeah, I was uh, I, I did a con all weekend. It was uh, it was all right. It was that's good. Yeah, that's a good time. Super fun, but not very restful. So I'm sleepy. Yeah, yeah. Those things tend to wear you out, even if you're just kind of hanging out. Yeah. All right. Next up, we got our completed PDH PhD. Liam, what's going on? Uh, not much. Not much. You know, join Frexia B one. All that jazz. Yeah. All why am I the one? Why am all I the, the good completed stuff. one? I'm I'm not. I'm the one that doesn't <laughs> like Frexia. <laughs> Was that my downfall? No, it seems to be who they go downfall? after, though. <laughs> I, that might have been it. <laughs> That's who they go for. That's uh, who they come for. I, it's crazy. I also dislike Phyrexia. What? We can, we can both Why be that do you person. dislike Phyrexia, Dave? It's gross. I, I agree. No, it's I, gross. And, like, I, like I, I get – so I, I understand on some level that, you know, if you're, if you're trying to tell a story and that story has been going on for 20 years, like, you have to come up with compelling villains. And on some level, sure. you have to raise the stakes. Yeah. And like mm -hmm. after after War of the Spark, after the Nicol Bolas whole saga, like I get I get the need to come up with another like massive big multiverse threatening. It feels rushed. I don't really care whether or not it's rushed. I think that writing a villain that can mind control anything is really lazy. <laughs> like complete. Like if we okay. if we completely set aside the body horror thing, the idea that this villain is going to take away something something's free will. And just like you know, the the Borgifying something, just making it part of the hive mind. To me, that feels like really lazy villaining. Like th this, you know, you can't you can't trust anyone. Anyone could be a sleeper agent, and th they wouldn't even know it about themselves because they're that deeply mind controlled. Like that's to me, that is the opposite of a compelling villain. And then when you combine that with all the like gross body horror stuff, I'm like, oh, stop. Yeah. Like, can you chill out with all of this? Like, yeah, it's can you just slow it down, Morrow. For on. me, it's can we go back to just murdering planeswalkers? <laughs> like, <laughs> for me, it's definitely the uh, the body gore. Uh, I'm I'm a big horror fan, but I I cannot stand body horror or or any of that. The Eldrazi, I, you know, the fine. I'm not a huge fan of them. When when it's just the Eldrazi being Eldrazi, that's okay. But the whole Innistrad Shadows block where they were mutating the inhabitants of Innistrad, that I had mm -hmm. a problem with. I, I didn't like that art style. And I'm definitely not a fan of the Phyrexian art style just through and through. Uh, so, eh. 
But it's funny because I look at things like slivers and I have no problem with slivers because they're just, it's, it's slivers being slivers. Like that's, that's just what they are. Yeah. They're just little and bug yeah, things. They're just like little yeah. gross bug things. That's all they are. But like the Phyrexians, like literally like their whole thing is mutilating other beings. I'm just like, no, I can't like, yeah. like if the, if their whole thing was just being disgusting, you know, beings, fine. They just look weird. They look gross. But like the fact that the whole thing is mutilating yeah. other things, I'm like, ah, I'm going to pass on that. Yeah. Yeah, I can't get I can't get behind the whole Phyrexian like way yeah. of life or yeah. you know philosophy I, I just, or what have you but but uh, artistically like I think artistically Phyrexia is my favorite magic set of all time. Like I could look at Phyrexian art all day long. Like it's I'm not like a posters person and I don't put up artwork and stuff like that, but I could definitely see myself having Phyrexian posters of Elish Norn and Sutra Priest and all those all that crazy stuff cuz I just I absolutely love it. But yeah, I'm with you. I I don't mind the body horror, like horror, whatever. Fine, bring it on. But yeah, I don't like the the concept of all the mutilation. Yeah. I guess. And it's funny because like I love it impact as a mechanic. It's great. I'm happy to see this toxic mechanic. Absolutely. <laughs> I just can't stand the O. Sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> what was Brad? Brad, what was that? Did, did you oh. hear something? I I thought I heard the inconsequential thoughts of someone on the wind. Mm. Brad, oh, no, I don't okay. so. Brad, how are you doing? How is your weekend? <laughs> uh it was good it was good just kind of hung out and did some stuff around the house as usual uh the saturday stream went well yeah it did good yeah it did games good. monday saturday and monday uh yeah liam was there it's good times sunday what do we do uh, i think we just kind of get out of the house as a family because it's been a while since we've done that so uh, that was good went and got dinner and dessert a little, little family stuff on a sunday evening so that was nice but outside of that just just kind of been working and thinking about magic cards Sometimes playing with magic Thank cards. Thank Living the dream. Yeah, that's what it's all about. Yeah, I know, living the dream. Speaking of magic cards, we're going to move on to the main topic, but I think we got to do a little bit of housekeeping first. If you like the show, you like what you're hearing, why don't you check us out over on Patreon at patreon.com slash the PDH pod. Uh, over there, patrons get a, access to the pre-show, which is usually a little recording of us catching up for a week, uh, for the week, some casual conversation. Like today, it was uh, after editing, it's probably going to be pushing about 45 minutes, which is kind of nice. You get access to the Discord where you can talk about your decks. You can ask uh, us questions. You can talk to us, hang out with a bunch of good folks, all that sort of stuff. So it's always good times. And then there are some changes happening to the PDH Pod YouTube channel. So if you haven't checked out the most recent video that Robert put up, I think he put it up about six hours ago. Go ahead and check that out. Hear the news. It's right there at the beginning of the video. And then you can enjoy some good gameplay. It's the um, it's the game I missed when I was real sick. So it's like Lobbert and Papa Popper and Clay and Derek, I believe. So should be a good it's a it's a great video. So highly competitive one, as you might uh as you might suspect. So outside of that, what do you got for us, Liam? Anything uh anything interesting, horrifically toxic yeah, happened this uh, week? So the Phyrexia all will be one story went up and uh completed uh no pun intended uh in the last week. <laughs> and yeah, they took some tons I was not really expecting. Yeah, I have not got time to sit down and read the stories yet, but just based off social media reactions, the stories were wildly popular <sighs> or wildly po polarizing. I'm not sure what the word is, but they, they got a lot Very of attention. Polarizing. I don't know that I would say it's popular. Some of, some of the decisions were questionable, but they had a lot of people talking. I had a lot of very literary uh world questionable things involved but but overall they they were very well written in my opinion they were just a little rushed 
the the one writer sure. I can't remember who uh, who the writer is, but it was pointed out on Twitter a couple times. Uh, had the characters actually tapping into mana like correctly, like at one point uh, Tyvar Kell was tapping into his green mana, uh, and other characters mm-hmm. commented on like the sweet smell of grass from Kaldheim. You know, despite them being on New Phyrexia, his mana smells like Kaldheim. So it's like it it had the characters tapping into mana correctly, which was which was very nice. When that it came nice. to who actually ended up getting completed, I was very very shocked to put it lightly all of the old characters got completed and killed off and all of the new characters lived yeah so so for those for those who haven't read the story yet and have been trying their best to avoid hearing who got completed you're going to want to skip about the next two to three minutes uh because i'm going to spoil all of it yep go ahead and jump Uh, time yeah so go ahead and take that moment to jump time three two one all right so the characters who got completed are Vraska, you know, R.I.P. that relationship. Nissa, mm-hmm. R.I.P. that relationship. Uh, N- Nahiri, which no one was sad to see go because she had she yeah, had that one didn't yeah, get talked she had about beef with Sorin and Nissa and Jace. All three of those characters are much more beloved than uh, she is, so no one was sad to see her go. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember Nahiri, Vraska, Nissa, uh, Ajani, and Tamio made their appearances again. Tybalt apparently is confirmed to be completed. It was speculated he was at the end of Kaldheim's story after after his interaction right. with uh, Vornklex, mm-hmm. but he showed up. He's not in the set, but he did show up in the story and and is confirmed. Tyva is safe. Kaito is safe. Wanderer is safe. For now. For now. Uh, Elspeth is not <laughs> in the set, but she is safe. Koth is alive and well and got to meet. Wait, 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 wait. Elspeth is safe from completion. That's what I'm, that's <laughs> right, what I'm talking like about. This. We're not there yet. We're not there yet. Yeah, okay. Uh, Elspeth okay, is okay. safe com- from completion. Kaya is safe from completion. I'm trying to remember who the 10th Planeswalker is off the top of my head. That's not Jace. Vraska, Nahiri, Nissa. Who else got completed? Luca. Luca, the one that no one gives a shit about. Um, Luca, yeah. <laughs> Luca, Luca got yep. completed. <laughs> Luca wasn't in the main story, so I assume he got completed in a, in a side story somewhere. And Jace. Yep. Jace got completed, which, yep. which Old Jace. baffles me. You know, being the, the main character of branding for the game. It, it yeah. seems mm-hmm. odd that Jace would be completed, but... I'm looking forward to what that means. Maybe they find a cure. Maybe they don't. Uh, you know, Malira in the story seems to think that a lot of the that when a when a when a person gets infected, there's a short window of time she has to to heal them before they're gone. And before so sure. I'm sitting here thinking, like, well, maybe these planeswalkers can regain their own consciousness and they just have mutilated bodies. Like, okay, fine. Kind of boring, honestly. I I kind of yeah. wish that. You know, they killed these characters, they stay dead, I'm hoping is the track they go with. Uh, same here. It, it was such a bold maneuver to complete all these planeswalkers that I don't really want to see it get retracted. Exactly. Even though I love a lot of these planeswalkers, I, I, I am mm-hmm. here for it. My money's on Chandra. Uh, Chandra is going to be the new face of the game. I'd be okay with Just that. Just based on branding recently, I, I think that Chandra sure. is going to be the new face of the game, which I, yeah, I'm, I'm here for. Yeah. I'm totally, I'm totally cool with that. I'm looking, for, I'm definitely looking forward to next set more so than I am for this set, just because I want to know what happens in the story, but I also just want to be as far away from Phyrexia mm-hmm. as possible. <laughs> you just went over <laughs> and done with. I'm, I'm just vibing <laughs> out until we have the, uh, uh, Lord of the Rings set, which 
you know, I can't believe I'm looking <laughs> forward to that more than I am in universe sets, but Phyrexia just ain't it. Yeah. I love me some fire. And then yeah. previews launched. Surprisingly, it's not my one of my favorite sets. Yeah, previews and, and previews launched. launched. That so. that you know, there haven't been many commons. So that'll yeah. be coming up in a couple of weeks. I think there haven't been many commons yet. Mm-mm. No, but uh, the ones that have been spoiled have been pretty, yeah, pretty gas. Uh, They've been uh, been a couple terrifying <laughs> commanders spoiled as well. PDH commanders. I'm not even worried about the PDH commanders yet. I'm just I'm looking at some of these commons like experimental augury which is just impulse with proliferate yeah yeah like why would you not just run that because that's like that that opens up the card impulse as a huge uh politicking tool uh top three top four yeah yeah just the the card impulse is top four yeah anticipate is top three strategic planning is top three Mm -hmm. maybe maybe this is just anticipate proliferate in my head love me some proliferate yeah, this is just anticipate with proliferate. So sorry, not impulse, but still, like, like just anticipate with proliferate stapled, stapled on. Like, if you're running anticipate any of your decks, just replace it because the proliferate, even if you're not running counters, can be a huge politic tool, and it's at no cost to you. Maybe that flux channeler deck I want to build will finally come to fruition now. Carnivorous canopy, you know that three mana sorcery that destroys an artifact enchantment and flying that we waited on for so many years. We got it a couple years back, and now we have another one where it uh, destroys an artifact enchantment or creature with flying. And if that permanent was mana value three or less, proliferate. Yeah, like I, I love proliferate. <laughs> I'm not going to go over all of my picks for the set review sure. right now, uh, but those two will definitely be in it. And and there's been a lot of other things that I'm just like, oh, that's a good. <laughs> Oh, that's a couple weeks away, so I think we can get on to tonight's main topic. What do you think? Let's do it. I'm ready. Sure All right. Well, we are back on our shenanigans this week as we bring you another iteration in our 3x3 deck tech series. You know how we do. We each choose an archetype and bring a representative deck and then uh, talk about how it relates to the archetype and how our decks accomplish all the pillars, the similarities between them, the differences and um, see what sort of spreads across all three of them. This episode, though, will be a little bit different. Uh, historically, our 3x3 three three episodes have been focused on like a, like a board state, like Voltron, Aristocrats, Go Wide Tokens, that sort of thing. Today, we wanted to, to shake it up by doing a 3x3 three three on decks that actually do like other stuff. And by other stuff, we went ahead and picked Spellslinger decks, which I'm, I'm a pretty big fan of. What does a Spellslinger deck mean here? Well, lots of decks want to cast a lot of spells. But for us, we decided that Spellslinger decks want to have turn cycles in which they're casting a metric bunch, probably four, five, six, seven spells per turn, and there are plenty of payoffs and incentives to do so. Before we get into those decks, as usual, we've broken down the idea of Spellslinger decks into a few different pillars. Dave, what do you think about telling us some of those pillars? I would love to tell you about the pillars. Longtime listeners will know that one of the pillars that we talk about every time we do a 3 by 3 is... Pillar number three, how mm-hmm. to not run out of gas and keep your hand full into the late game so that you can continue playing spells and impacting the game. This is probably the most quintessential pillar for a Spellslinger deck. If if your goal is to be casting four plus spells a turn cycle and the game is only letting you draw one card a turn cycle <laughs> you have to make up the difference somehow you have to you sure do your deck has to be packed with things that are going to keep your hand full despite you turning through all these spells so fast uh so pillar three is our first pillar 
Don't worry about the numbers. Trust me, I'm a mathematician. <laughs> Just <laughs> don't worry about three it. Three comes first, <laughs> and that's all there is to it. After pillar three, we're going to talk about pillar number one. Perfect. Pillar number one to the spell slinging deck is going to be what are the actual payoffs for casting four ish spells a turn cycle? Uh, mm-hmm. What is what are your what what is your commander going to give you? What is your deck going to give you? Uh, I mean, obviously, if you cast four spells, you get four spells. Like you get the you get the impact or whatever Not those too four bad. spells sure. do. It's pretty good. But like, what mm-hmm. else happens? Uh, what what is yeah. your incentive to be casting four spells in the right. same turn? Um, in a vacuum, casting four spells generally doesn't advance the game much. You need something. If if the four spells are all like six six beaters, then you've got a really good green deck, <laughs> and you're you're in a good spot. But uh, if, yeah, if your true. four spells are just cantrips, then you haven't you haven't accomplished much unless there's some triggers. Yeah, yeah. Pillar number two is going to be about how we're going to afford this. Four spells is not a small amount of spells. It is not. They're going to cost us some mana, and we're going to need to find ways to pay for this. In this economy, it's worth... Yeah, it can be challenging. Worth <laughs> talking about. Uh, after Pillar 2, of course, comes Pillar 4, uh, which is, as always, how to not die. That is very important yes. in the game of magic. Yep, yep, yep. It's going gonna, it's gonna to take a while to build up our spell-slinging engines. We're going to need to not die while that happens, and hopefully not die yep. after you get your engine. Yeah. So, these are our Pillars. Three... How to not run out of gas. One, the payoff. Two, how can we afford this? And four, how to not die. Mm, those are some good pillars. I like them. All right. We're going to talk about these pillars, but before we do, we're going to talk about who we each brought to this table. Yeah. Uh, I think I think Brad should go first. I think I think Brad has the most spell slinger-ish deck of, of, of our spell slinger-ish decks. And he should... Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's a good way to put it. I I pretty much lucked out in this episode because whatever the complete opposite of a Yargle deck would be, that's what I got. <laughs> I got the Is It deck, and that color pair is easy is is hands down the easiest spell slinging color pair. And I picked Third Path Iconoclast because that is one of the most straightforward spell slinging commanders in Is It, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, they're all pretty straightforward, but this one is just like. Cast a spell, do a thing. Cast a spell, do do a thing. Just keep casting spells and keep doing things. It's all really straightforward. You don't have to worry about anything else. You're just casting spells and doing things, and I love it. I looked it up, and Google says that an iconoclast is a person who attacks beliefs and institutions, and this iconoclast builds a board that will do that for you in spades, except those beliefs and institutions are your opponent's faces, and I'm okay with that. I do love... I'm not normally drawn to is it decks. I think they're cool. I like spell slinging. I like drawing a bunch of cards. Who doesn't? I really like third path iconoclast. Like as soon as it was spoiled, I kind of fell in love with it. It gives me a lot of Tarkir vibes, like cons of Tarkir specifically that set. I mean, the whole block, sure, but specifically that set. Um, not not just because it's a human monk, but unlike a lot of is it creatures, it doesn't care about instants and sorceries. It just loves when you cast anything that's not a creature. It doesn't matter what it is. Enchantments, artifacts, whatever. The wordage on the card is uh, non-creature. So 
that last little bit opens up an enormous amount of brewing potential. There are a ton of ways you could build the Iconoclast, but for me, I chose spell slinging. It sounded the best. Like I said, it sounded the most straightforward. It's something I can, you know, sort of wrap my head around without too much sweat, without too much math, without tearing the deck apart after it fails. Like it just, it sort of builds itself, and I like that. But regardless of which direction you want to take the deck, the end result is printed literally on the card. Cast spells, make bodies, you in one way or another, use them to kill your opponents. That's it. Uh, to be fair, I have seen builds that use this commander as a as a storm shell to storm everyone out of the game while you make creatures pretty much that are just there to protect you from uh, from attacks and that sort of thing while you build up your storm count while you, while you get to those pivotal turns. But I'm not really a huge storm player. I do play cards that have the word the mechanic storm on them, but those aren't my goal. I don't work towards a huge storm count. Um, but for those of you that are, it would not be hard to adapt, you know, my list or my package, my shell, to a storm package and and run with it. I've seen decks that that function very well as a storm deck. Is it is probably the the best storm colors we have. So uh, by all means, go for it. So that's pretty much what I what I picked. What about you, Dave? I. I, the, the deck I've chosen, this is, of, of all the decks that I have built, this is the most spell-slinger-ish, like the most quintessentially spell-slinger-ish deck I have. Okay. And it's a little weird because it's not Is It. I, I associate spell-slinging very strongly with Is It, and like, I, sure. I I mean, I guess I've got Is It Guildmage, but I'm, I'm not bringing that. <laughs> this is an Orzhov deck, and it's the Orzhov deck using the Kaldheim Angel uh, Firia, which I practiced the pronunciation of for <laughs> minutes in the pre-show this is furia judge of valor <laughs> uh she's a five mana white black two four flyer with lifelink and whenever you cast your second spell each turn look at the top three cards of your library put one into your hand and the rest into your graveyard which is seems good that that effect is uh the same as a card called strategic planning which is a blue two-mana instant. You look at the top three, one into your hand, two into your graveyard, uh, and that opens up a lot of possibilities. It's gonna it's gonna keep your hand full for you a little bit with its, you know, every second spell, you put a card into your hand. It's also gonna keep mm -hmm. your graveyard really full uh, because it's putting, every time this triggers, it bins two cards for you. Yeah, and that is a very cool, like, very interesting approach to spell slinging. I, I think yeah. it's one that a lot of people don't explore as much as they should. Yeah, I, I've had an enormous amount of fun with it. So, yeah, it's uh, ideally you want to, like, it's not, it's a little different from, you know, the, 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 you know, the Wii Dragonauts deck where you want to cast eight spells on your turn and then <laughs> murk a guy. Uh, sure. The, you want to be casting two spells on your turn and then hopefully two spells on Brad's turn. And if you have a really good hand right then, two spells on Liam's turn as well. Mm -hmm. uh, so you're still getting that, you know, four four-ish spells per turn cycle, but you wanna you wanna keep it at two per turn so that you can like, you know, spread it out and really maximize that. That is my spell slinging deck. Very, very archetypical, I think, of the spell sing slinging thing. So I want to hear now about the Yargle deck. As usual, we got the Yargle. Yes, the Yorgle deck. Uh, I believe this is the first time I've had the Yorgle deck since the original since show. Since actual Yorgle. Since Yorgle was the our Yorgle actual deck. Yorgle. You, you I, created this and then we kept I, it from I, you for like, months. Yeah, we took it from you. Yes, yes. I, I, I was, I was, I was 
completely okay with one of you doing it. And then I realized I was like, I don't think I've actually had the Yorgle uh-uh. deck since Yorgle. Yeah. I would like the Yorgle yeah. deck again. Well, take it back. Now's your time. Because, and <laughs> and the reason is because spell slinging is one of my uh, favorite ways to brew decks and I wanted a challenge. Sure. Uh, so for this specific episode, I had to uh, brew and bring a brand new deck. Uh, and that deck's... That deck is a Boros deck. And I'm trying to drag this out as much as I can. <laughs> it is a Boros deck. We have the heroic all-star all the way from Theros mm-hmm. Beyond Death. They're an enchantment creature. 2-2, two, two, hero of the Nyxborn. Hero of the Nyxborn. As I said, is a 3-mana 2-2. Two, two. Uh, when it enters the battlefield, it's going to create me a 1-1 one, one, uh, human soldier creature token. And whenever I cast a spell that targets it, creatures I control get plus one plus zero until end of turn. Seems good. When I was picking this, when I was picking this commander, we we very explicitly chose spell slingers because we wanted to to veer off the path of tokens and board states. We wanted to be like you have to cast a bunch of spells and win with the spells. So the deck does run a lot of uh, classic red staples, uh, you know air quote staples when it comes to uh, spell slinger. It runs a lot of classic red. Uh, stuff that you'll find in spell mm-hmm. decks but outside of that the the method to the madness is what makes this deck the yoggle deck and yeah you'll have to wait to hear yeah, more about because it because like kind of like we said you know during the intro to the main topic and stuff before on these episodes we were focusing on the board state you know voltron aristocrats go wide all that sort of stuff those are very commander centric sort of archetypes so it was when you mm-hmm. when the Yargle, whatever the Yargle was for the particular episode, it was very obvious, you know, because the commander generally dictated whether it was the Yargle of the day or not. Where yours is a little sneakier than that, I, f- I feel. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely it's def it was definitely a challenge. Uh, the list is very very experimental, so please don't yell at me <laughs> if I forgot your favorite red spell slinging card. I'm sorry, okay? Look, there's only so much yeah, room. Boros uh, is fun to brew. 100 though. cards is not that it's, much. Oh, God, it really uh, is it was. It was fun to brew. 100 cards is not much. Really, yeah. it's like 64 cards. It's not that much. Yeah, because you got like 30-something lands. Yeah, it's... it's Re- Really, it's like uh, it's like 63 it's cards in a scare killer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you you misspoke. It's 63 cards in a Bonkers <laughs> ornament. And a, and a scare killer. And a... <laughs> 62 yeah. cards and a bondage yeah, yeah. ornament and a scare that, There you go. Yeah, 61 cards and a bondage ornament and a scare tiller and that's a howling it, that's a, hey, 60 cards. I think that might be it. <laughs> and and a I'm, 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 <laughs> Sniff, I know you're listening. This one's for you, bud. Wink. Listen, people, you got 30 cards to brew with. All right? <laughs> that's all. That's it. <laughs> I, I can't help it anymore. I open a new list. It's like, okay, I've got the commander. Okay, what do I put in? Before I even put in the basics, that like like one basic that match the colors, it's Ponda's Ornament and Honored Heirloom. And am I going to run a Scatilla package? I don't know. Let's let's wait yeah. a little bit. Howling Golem, Marching Duo Drone. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I was building, y'all. I put together uh, Demir Value Pile, uh, Baleful Strix deck over the weekends because I've always wanted to build one. It doesn't have a combo or anything. It's literally just demir value okay with some ninjas and stuff and demir make my opponents hate yeah, life pretty much okay <laughs> and when brothers war came out i i had purchased like a stack of takasha's dig sites so i'm like seems cool oh, it's yeah. gonna be very cool it's gonna go in a lot of decks and i, I probably had eight to twelve of them i put together baleful strix over the weekend <laughs> and i didn't have any more like where'd they all go yeah. <laughs> 
So I had to go to the LGS to pick up a land. But yeah, it's Ugh, the same thing. I open up, I open up a uh, a Moxfield list or my piece of paper or whatever I'm doing, and I write down my commander and I write down Takashi's dig site. Like that's one of the first lands that goes in every deck now. Usually followed yeah, by no, Bomber's uh, Ornament. What what up? Takate. How do you say Takasha? I say Takasha. I say Takasha. Takasha. Okay. All right. So Takasha's dig site. I I like that land so much, but what bugs me is a Crystal Grotto from DMU. Mm -hmm. I know it's a good card, but I just can't decide what kind of deck I want to put it in. Same way. 100%. Therefore, it's not ended up in any of (laughs) them. Oh, I have it in a lot of decks, but I'm sure some of those, it does not belong there. No, I think it belongs in basically everything. Do you? Yeah. I don't, I, I don't. Yeah, I I think so too. I mean, I'm just, but I just don't know what to I, replace just, it with. Just replace a basic. If if you have a if you have a one or two color deck, just replace a basic, because like I I think I think yeah, I definitely don't have it in any three color decks. Right. I I think PDH heading into EDH 2017 territory. Right. <laughs> just replace a basic. Well, I mean, What's the worst that could it, go wrong? it comes in untapped. Right. Like, <laughs> if you if you need very specific colors of mana, like if you have a three color deck, or if you if your balance is really delicate, then yeah, don't run it. Like don't put it in Parcel Beast because Parcel Beast needs Snowlands badly. As much but colors, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Generic one or two color decks, I think, really want Crystal Grotto as a ETB untapped thing. It's, I mean, that's what your basics are. They're they're, they're untapped. And your basics are untapped colored. This is untapped, but scries. I think it just goes in for basic. That's it. Yeah. My basics give me this thing called colored mana. Well, and outside of I like... Yeah, I mean, don't replace all of your basics. Outside of a few, like, maybe CPDH competitive decks, like, I, I can't see a situation where Crystal Grotto would completely throw off your game plan if you had that turn one instead of your forest or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I, it's not that big of a speed bump, I don't think. Yeah, I don't think or it's an obstacle deal. or whatever and you like, want to call it. Even even if you badly need the colored mana, like it's not like it doesn't give it to you. It just gives it to you at a price. Yeah, but like exactly. if you're you know, if you put it in your two color deck and you you have your hand with it and you're like missing blue, like you can squeeze blue out of it if you if you need it, and it'll scry you mm-hmm. towards the island. So, yeah, I think yep. I think it goes in many many things. Perfect. But I think the uh, okay, okay. I think the mana base slash mana rock episode is is coming up shortly. But uh, what do we think? Yes. Back to the spell slingers. I think we're starting off here with uh, what do we say? Pillar three is actually the first pillar, correct? Yes. Yep. All right. All right. All right. Well, I'll take it here. I'll just go from here. Mine's easy. Mine's is it? Mine's spell slinger by nature. So uh, mine will be quick. But. As I mentioned in my deck introduction, it is an is a deck, and those are literally the best colors for keeping your hand full, because this is the how to keep that tank full pillar. So old school players might refer to a deck like this as a Xerox deck, which is basically just a pile of cards loaded with cheap cantrips, cantrips that keep the ball rolling. We can break all that down here in a little bit. Um, my card advantage comes from both card selection and then just straight up card draw. You need to spend the first couple turns sculpting your hand for... After Iconoclast hits the board, it's going to be an instant lightning rod. Everyone knows what he does. Everyone knows it can get out of hand. So they're going to be looking to remove it. So you want to have your hand ready to cast a bunch of spells as soon as it hits the board or protect it uh, one way or the other. So, But then, you know, cards like Preordain, Sleight of Hand, Ponder, they're great during any point in the game, but they are especially powerful in the early turns to sculpt that hand, to bring up those protection spells, to bring up those uh, counter spells, that sort of thing. Uh, I don't recommend dropping Iconoclast on turn two. I've done that before. And then you just end up with a four mana is it commander because you don't get to do much because it's dead. You just spent all your mana to cast it. 
three more players get a chance to get rid of it before you can do anything. So uh, I usually like to hold on it, hold on to it until turn three or four rolls around. Because, you, yeah, you're just not likely to have the mana available to protect them. So by the time another turn or two rolls around, you can drop them. Thanks to manipulating your hand and the top of your deck on the early turns, you'll be able to get a ton of value uh, out of him before he dies. Even if he does, even if you do drop him on turn three or four, you're likely to have cards in your hand to interact with the stack if they go to bolt him or snuff him out or what have you, that you can at least get some value out of him before he dies. You know, you may not have a a counter spell or some way to protect him, but you can cast your own spell to at least get a hand, you know a couple of creatures, one or two artifact creature tokens onto the board before he dies. So try to get a little bit of value out of him whenever you can, whenever you can squeeze it, do it. Don't don't hold up mana for any reason unless you're absolutely trying to protect yourself. Uh, impulse here, the the card impulse it puts in a lot of heavy lifting in the deck. Network terminal is extremely helpful at digging through the deck to find what you need. Uh, now outside of those early one-drop draw spells, the deck is loaded with card advantage that you can just deploy it whenever you draw it. There's not like a specific suite of cards or a specific package of non-creature spells that you need to be like, okay, this is my turn 8 to turn 12 play, or this is my, you know, five cards I want to play when I'm behind in life total. Like there's no... I guess you could build it that way, but it doesn't have to be. You don't have to get that deep with it. You just... Once you have your flow set up and you got some protection spells and you're you're cranking out some creatures, just go to town. That's what this is it spell slinging deck is all about. Just start cranking out spells, cranking out creatures, that sort of thing. Uh, grip it and rip it, as they say. Uh, one particularly particularly powerful spell in the deck is Galvanic Relay, and I know everybody knows it's powerful, but it is crazy. You know, when you got a full grip of cards on turn five or later, it's easy to get a storm count. You know, if you're interacting with the other players and stuff. You know, it's easy to get that storm count up to five, six, seven. That way, by the time your next uh, turn rolls around, you're playing an Is It Spellslinger deck with a bunch of mana and essentially two hands worth of cards. For a non-storm deck, that's nearly infinite. Like, it is so powerful. Two absolute cards that I will put in every Iconoclast build, or I will tell you to put in every Iconoclast build, would be Thoughtcast and Treasure Cruise. We all know they're powerful. The thought cast, you know, every time you cast a spell, you're creating those artifact creature tokens, which adds to your affinity count. But the spell you just cast also adds to, you know, it's fueling your delve as well for treasure crew. So I think those are staples for a deck like this. But I don't think I'm I'm rocking any boats here. I don't think I'm breaking any molds with those suggestions. Those are pretty obvious. I could dive into every single non-creature spell I have in the deck, but it's similar. My build, at least, is very similar to an, to an oops-style deck, you know. You know the drill. A lot of decks need multiple pieces to get going. Some of them, you know, you need creatures with good enter the battlefield effects. You need rocks. You need interaction, protection, various, you know, synergies. But with this deck, you need like a couple pingers, some mana, and your commander on the board. And that's it. Like, he does the rest of the work for you as long as you can cast spells. You're not trying to set up this crazy jigsaw puzzle board state to accomplish what you're trying to do. It's literally oh, my commander's alive, and I have three spells and four mana. Cool, I just made an entire board of creatures. That's all you're trying to do, and it's amazing. So I will wrap it up there, and I think let's pass it on to Yargle. How are you filling that tank and keeping it full? Yeah, uh, so this is a Boros deck. <laughs> I don't know if any of you have ever tried to build a Boros deck. Oh, yeah. But one of the, one of the things that always comes up is card draw. 
Uh, and conveniently, that's that's what this pill is about, right? Mm. It's keeping our hand full so we can be slinging all the spells. <laughs> that gets a little tricky. <laughs> um, so yeah, the color pair is not the no. most forgiving when it comes to card draw. It's 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 not even remotely. We rely heavily on the Scantilla package. Okay? Yeah, we really do. Uh, it's not even. It's not even funny. Uh, I was trying to put it in a nice, uh, quirky little way, but it's not even funny. Uh, we're, we're running. We're running the Scantilla package. We've beaten this was to to death and and brought it back and and beat it to death again. So I'm not going to go over it too terribly much. But we use the Scantilla package to safely discard lands to our red draw spells because white draw spells don't exist. Yeah. So. so we have a lot of the red draw spells that are like discard a card, draw two, discard two cards, draw three. And we want to be able to make sure we can discard things that like lands. So we run a, a hefty amount of lands and we also run that that selection of cards. We do have a couple things like Bondo's Ornament and Lantern of Revealing mm-hmm. uh, just, just to help with the top of the deck and just making sure our hand is always full. Uh, in addition to this, some of our spells do can trip just to eke out advantage. Like, like if there were two or three versions of a spell and one of them cantripped, that was the version I picked, even if it was a yeah, mana or two hands more. Down. Mm-hmm. Just because it's Boros. Just, yeah. <laughs> just because it's Boros. So yeah. So I feel like this pillar is yeah, this pillar is not about mana rocks, but I will mention that that in our mana rocks you will find a lot of utility. Uh you'll find that utility in the land base as well, because you know, we we run to Cage's dig site as well. We we need to make sure that our land uh, yeah, our land, geez, our card uh, draw and card selection is on point. Mm-hmm. That way, when we do draw something, it's the right thing at the right time to make an impact. Yep, because I've brewed and played so many different Boros decks, you have to find room for like, like you have here for like <laughs> Seer's Lantern and Jalem Tome and you know just stuff like that. Because <laughs> you have to, you, you just have to. It sucks, but you have yeah. to. Yeah, that's the uh, trials and tribulations of Boros, but is what it is, as they say. Yeah. What do you think, Dave? How is Orzov keeping the tank full? Orzov has a lot of tricks. Uh, but before we get into the specific tricks, I just want to mention that things here are going to get a little bit muddled. Because uh, Pillar 3 is where we talk about how we're going to keep our hand full. And Pillar 1, the next pillar, is where we're going to talk about the payoffs for casting lots of spells a lot. And for Furia, those are essentially the same thing like kind of yeah <laughs> right like you you cast a lot of spells and then furia triggers and she puts cards into your hand so yeah. it's it's how you keep your hand full and it's the like the payoff is keeping your hand full so like yeah. what we you got chocolate in my peanut butter you got peanut butter in my chocolate <laughs> right <laughs> like what what we've done with Furia here is uh, when when I when I originally sat down to build this deck I wanted to I wanted to do that thing where like I'm going to build an engine and the purpose of this engine like the thing that this engine will accomplish once it's built is it's going to build a bigger engine and then that engine will engineer a bigger engine that will get me more engining per engine. Yo, dog, I heard you like engines. So, like, that's no act. There's no meaningful like end to this. Like, it's not like I'm gonna get a big engine and then I'm gonna do something else. Like, no, Mm-mm. I'm gonna I'm gonna get bit, get a big engine and then I'm gonna try to make it bigger. Like, I, yep. <laughs> there's no there's no plan here. I'm just a dog chasing a car. <laughs> <laughs> and I see bigger cars, and I'm like, that one, the other car. Yeah, so, um, I'm go for that one. 
So that's that's kind of like my pillars one and three like put together uh, in Firja's ability. Firja, I've been I, I've already regressed. We we really did spend a long time <laughs> practicing how to say this. Name. We we were we were having Google translate stuff for us and pronounce stuff for us. Check out yeah, we're learning geography. Check out the pre-show; it's fascinating. Yep. But yeah, so there are other tricks that I've used in in pursuit of making a biggerer engine. Uh, I have I have dedicated a, a big handful of deck slots just to keeping the handful, casting a lot of spells, doing these things. Uh, the first really big one I want to mention is uh, Flashback and Escape. Uh, largely because Firia is going to be putting, in addition to putting cards in her hand, she's also going to be putting a lot of cards into our graveyard. Mm. And if I can cast those without spending a resource from my hand, like even if they don't do anything, I kind of don't care whether or not they function. I just need them to be castable because that will trigger Furia and that will help me build a bigger engine. So things like uh, Crippling Fatigue is very good because the flashback cost is dirt cheap. It costs nothing. Chainer's mm -hmm. Edict flashes back for seven, so it's not really in the deck. <laughs> homestead courage is a very very small spell it's a little baby spell it does very little homestead mm -hmm. courage is a single white mana to put a plus one plus one counter on something and give it vigilance until end of turn that card is an all-star because it, it flashes back for a single white mana so it's giving you those cast triggers and like a, a counter on fury is not insignificant like Changing her from a 2-4 flying lifelink into a 3-5, or maybe even a 4-6 flying lifelink with vigilance, like, that's not bad. That's... Yeah, that's a beater. Right. Like, she'll... she'll she will go the distance as a 4-6 mm -hmm. flying vigilant lifelink. That's it's kind of a lot. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, like, Homestead Courage, which flashes back for one. Sentinel's Eyes escapes for one. Uh, these these are the cards that you're going to use to just be constantly triggering Furia, constantly be doing things, engaging with the game. Even if the engagement mm -hmm. isn't much, you're getting those Furia triggers, you're building a bigger engine. Yeah. Other ways that I'm going to get two uses out of a single spell, things that rebound, like Survival Cash. Uh, not only does it rebound, but it puts a card into your hand. So it's it's yeah. like White Divination. Which is honestly yep. and one, and one thing that that I was kind of thinking about when you were just going over how like homestead courage is nice and cheap and easy to cast. It's that is specifically important because Firia cares about your second spell each turn. Yeah, that's something I always kind of glossed over when reading the rules text, but that's obviously obviously very significant because it's part of the rules text. But yeah, it's you want cheap spells because you need to hit that second spell every turn. Right, and like if if you want the really big engine. It's got to be two spells on your turn, and then two spells on someone else's turn. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. that's the two triggers per turn cycle maneuver. So like the the second two spells have to be like instants with flash. So you want to having being able to hit the homestead courage on your turn for a single mana without spending a card from your hand to get the furia trigger for your turn, and then like putting an instant into your hand with her trigger so that you can do it on someone else's turn as well. Like that's that's mm -hmm. the sweet spot. That's where you want to be. Right. So yeah, other cards that you can use to cast multiple times are like Recruit the Worthy has buyback. Or like sometimes your hand is just really full and you just want to cast it without buying it back just to have a one mana instant that puts a body into play and then triggers furia. Sure. Adventures you can cast twice. So I don't have a ton in here because they tend to be really expensive. But uh, Gray Slod, I think, is great because it mills me and I care about cards in my graveyard. 
and yeah. then it's a cheap creature that cares about stuff in my graveyard. Uh, so that's very powerful for Furia. One of the absolute all-time all-stars of this deck is called Gossamer Chains, which is an enchantment from a long time ago. It might be Visions, I think. Uh, this is a two-mana white enchantment that has an activated ability, and the cost to activate that ability is bouncing the enchantment to your hand. It's uh, it's a bit like Broken Fall. If you if you Broken mm -hmm. Fall is better because Broken Fall Broken Fall bounces to your hand to regenerate target creature. And you can literally yep. do that whenever you want. Gossamer Chains bounces itself to your hand to prevent all damage that would be dealt by an unblocked creature. And technically, creatures are only considered unblocked if during combat. So, like, if someone disenchants your Gossamer Chains on someone's, like, upkeep, you can't bounce it to your hand in response to to pay its own cost. Yeah, you can't. Unlike but, the regenerate of Broken Fall, you can't just rip it up the you know rip it off the table whenever you want yeah yeah kind of a bummer um but gossamer chains does do work in like satyr enchanter oh yeah amazing yeah. in that deck yeah I mean, and it does work in fury as well uh it, oh it, sure, it sure sure blanks creatures it's a thing you can cast over and over again it's super cheap it's only two mana so uh it goes hard in that respect the last thing i want to mention really quick is just uh i've got a handful of cantrips just really cheap spells that'll put more spells in my hand things like you know spirited companion Inspiring Overseer is an all-star, just a three-mana two-one that replaces itself. Nihil Spellbomb does work for me. It's just really cheap. Mm -hmm. Like you can, you can play it cheap for that cast trigger and then use it later, like when you actually need the effect. So that's very good. Right. Um, Courier Bat I think is very clever in the deck because it, it is going to be gaining life a lot, and Courier Bat is like a grave digger that flies and is cheaper, but the condition is it only puts a creature into your hand if you've gained life this turn. And mm -hmm. I can usually make that happen, so it's a it's a it's a good bodied, good costed flyer that also puts a card into my hand. And the card is probably some cheap idiot cantrip like Spirited Companion. You're right. That's gonna, <laughs> that's gonna keep keeping my handful. Uh and then Perfect. Right. So like yeah, if you if you're using Firja, if you if you have to bin the Spirited Companion, like don't worry about it, you'll get it back. Yeah, so, more than likely you'll get it back. Yeah, you're, th this game plays very heavily into the graveyard themes to to be able to use these things a lot. So uh, yeah. that's how I'm going to keep Furious Hand full. I'm going to pass things back to Brad so that he can tell us. Unless unless people have feedback on this or want to talk more about it. No, I'm I'm good. I think that was an excellent explanation. Awesome. Let's. Yeah. No, that was that was great. Likewise. Right, well, let's go from uh, three to one here. So pillar one is the payoff for all this spell slinging we're doing what do we get out of it what do we get for all these spells that we're casting well third path iconoclast makes the best out of an already amazing situation here in pillar one if you follow the simple request of casting non-creature spells you're going to get everything you need not only does every spell equal a new one one creature token but those tokens just have to be happen to be artifact creatures because uh why not this ability Eh, it's not completely busted, but the seams are starting to show signs of fatigue. They're beginning to rip a little bit. So what do we get out of all these spells we're slinging? We're focused on getting three, mm, three to four things here. We're getting free artifacts to trigger Reckless Fireweaver and Ingenious Artillerist. We're getting free creatures to trigger Witty Roastmaster and Impact Trimmers, those paying when creatures enter the battlefield. So if you got a couple, of, one of each of these on the board, you're pinging the whole table twice once because it's an artifact once because it's a creature and it's beautiful uh, we're also getting a lot of spell triggers from Keswick flame breather thermo alchemist 
if you've got Fireweaver, Roastmaster, and Alchemist on the board, and you cast an opt, you know, you just caused like nine damage across the table. I, I can't think of another deck that does that, and it's awesome. And while I've, you're out I've there always, making artifacts, I've, go ahead. I've I've long long been known for saying that opt would be a better card if it also hit a player for nine. See, right. <laughs> and now we've got it. Yeah. <laughs> What's better than paying two life to cast gush, uh, gut shot, other than paying two life to cast gut shot and doing nine damage? Ten. Ten. Oh yeah, ten because of gut shot <laughs> itself. <laughs> the spell still has an effect. Oh yeah, yeah. I almost forgot about that. Everything. There's too much else going on here. Oh. But yeah, while we're out there making artifacts for days, you know, we've got makeshift munitions and Embrawl Gear Smasher. Those two can get extra reach by pinging in the table uh, for sacrificing creatures and or artifacts. When you're pinging, you're, you know, you're pinging every time you cast a spell, and you're pinging by using the tokens that the spell created to ping some more. Kind of like Dave's engine is getting better and better and engineering more and engine engine better, better. This is ping and ping and ping and ping and pinging and pinging and pinging. So <laughs> it <just> like... <laughs> I didn't really process what it sounded like when I was saying that, but now that I've heard See? it. Like... <laughs> it's amazing. Good. So you're probably like, why does he keep laughing? I don't know what's going on. Here. Oh. But yeah, on top of that, I also, I, I still like combat. I still like combat damage. So I have sprinkled in a couple creatures that sort of had pseudo prowess. I guess you could add literal prowess creatures into the deck. Um, but I went with like Spellgorger Weird and Burning Prophet, uh, mainly because Spell, Spellgorger Weird, that plus one plus one counter is permanent. And with Burning Prophet, you get some very good card selection. You get to scry one every time you cast a non creature or instant sorcery, it gets plus one plus oh. All that good stuff. So these, you know, between the weird and the prophet, they can go both get pretty chunky and allow you to sort of dig dig to what you want, honestly. I think a lot of people underrate Burning Prophet's ability, and it's it's even if you don't attack with it, you know, being able to scry three times in a turn is massive in a deck like this. So it turns out to be uh, very good. Prophet is an absolute all-star in Sir Kara. Yeah, I I bet. I bet it is. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. I, I tried to make it work for a long time in 60-card popper, but it's just a little too slow. Mm -hmm. But at this point, every non-creature spell I'm casting basically says, do the thing, make a body, ping the board for two or three or four or nine. <laughs> I think Liam can even attest to the fact that <sighs> I, we went to my upkeep, Everybody was at single digit lives. It was me, Liam, and Wales left. Brad, Brad was at like you were like seven or eight life. You were you were you would not survive another ton cycle. No, I had to do it from, right then and there. You you had to kill us. Yeah. And uh, who, was it Wales that was left? Yep, it was you and Wales. Yeah. So so Wales and I both had less than five life, and I, I couldn't. I, I know. I think I had like a point or two more than Wales, but we both had less than five. Mm -hmm. And it comes to Brad's upkeep, and I'm like, okay, I gotta shut him down. Like, just give us, like, I'm trying to, like, give us protection from red, like, you know, me and whales. I'm trying to give out boards protection from red, stuff like that. You know, trying to tap down creatures after they've untapped, you know. And so I, I spent all this money to do this thing, and Brad's just got the counter magic. He's just got three counter spells. Yep. <laughs> and with, with those counter spells came ping triggers. Yep. Those ping triggers killed us in Brad's upkeep. Yep, it was amazing. Yeah, I'd, to see it because of because of Galvanic Relay, I was able <laughs> uh, the storm the 
turn prior, the storm count got to like seven or eight. I hit that with Galvanic Relay, and it put three counter spells into exile that I could just use. Yeah, and <laughs> and Brad's, I believe Brad's exact words were counter spells. And in my head, I was like, counter spells. Yeah. <laughs> when I exiled, I'm like, I can't do anything with that. <laughs> <laughs> Except win the game, apparently. It was crazy. Yeah, we went, and, and then after the whole stack resolved, stack emptied out, we went to my turn, and Liam was at one. He's like, are you going to cast a spell? <laughs> I guess I'm dead. <laughs> are you going to do the one thing your deck was built yeah, to do, Yeah, the Brad? one thing. So. <laughs> but yeah, that's the kind of silly stuff you can do. And it, you know, that was a game where I was two land drops behind everybody. Uh, whales hit the whole... And there were two board wipes. Yeah, two board wipes behind, two lands behind, and I still managed to pull it out. So that's the kind of crazy stuff you can do with Iconoclast. And it wasn't even close. Like No, I was really surprised. Like, like, like the life totals were close, but the board states at that point in time, like, you had it on lock. Yeah. <laughs> beautiful. Oh, so yeah, it was pretty beautiful. But what I do also love about this... And a lot of is it decks is, you know, for being a spell slinging color, they're very, very customizable. You know, you're not locked into one style of play. So if you want your uh, non-creature package to include flicker effects, you know, you could do Aarakocra Sneak, Crimson Fleet Commodore, you know, that kind of thing. Make it more toolboxy of a deck. It's just, it's kind of whatever you want it to be. It's, it's your commander that cares about the non-creature spells. Like I said, if you like a flicker package, go for it. If you like making tokens all day, you can do that too. Like, I just wanted to go with straight up card draw Xerox style deck, and and it worked out. So, um, I think I've mentioned this on the stream before, but uh, for for a couple of years now, my partner Blake has been trying really hard to build a Sahili Rule Zero deck. And mm -hmm, Sahili yeah. has the same ability as Third Past Iconoclast. Whenever you cast a non-creature spell, you create a one-one artifact creature token. And like part of the reason, like deck Blake is a brilliant deck builder. He's just this this incredible mind. I love working with him on these things because he's he's mm -hmm. a genius. And Sahili had him stumped. Had honestly, the both of us stumped, but he put all, way more effort into it than I did. Had both of us stumped for years because. Not because he didn't know what to do with it, but just because there's like 17 different things you can do with it, and he had yeah. no idea how to balance those. So like, he didn't know if he wanted to build this like young pyromancer where he was just going to berserk the field for little guys and then like trumpet blast, <laughs> or if he wanted to build it like a control deck that was just going to slowly overwhelm something with little guys mm -hmm. over the course of the game as he went on, or if he wanted to be an artifact deck, or you know, like uh, uh, something else. Like, there's so many different ways you can do this, and like, Iconoclast is the same. Like, you yeah, literally really can't is. go wrong. Yeah, and you know, I have, you know, I'm making creature tokens, multiple creature tokens every turn, but the only real combat trick I have is pack attack. That's a good one, though. <laughs> it, it is a good one. That's uh, a good I have, one. I, I have fist of flame, but it only targets one creature. But because I decided that. Sure, I may have 10 creatures. I don't want to win with this deck through combat like that. Like, I just want to be ripping cards off the top of the deck every turn, on everybody's turn, all game long. And that's what it ended up being. Yeah, you can you can Xerox things pretty good. Turns out when Young Pyromancer has blue, and you can just, like, windmill <laughs> yeah, slam. real good. <laughs> you can just windmill slam your preordains and your portents and your ponders and your serum visions. Like, <laughs> makes a pretty good Young Pyromancer deck. Yeah. All right. How does the Yargle pay off for spell slinging? What do you get out of it, Liam? Spell slinging, this deck is 
as I was mentioning earlier, it's it's running a couple of the red cards that are very common for a Spellslinger deck to run, uh, in particular Firebrand Archer and Casting Flame Breather. Uh, I believe Brad mentioned both of them. They mm-hmm. are just generically good Spellslinger cards that should be in every red deck spell singing deck you know we we've also snuck in student of ojitai uh this one is whenever you cast a non-creature spell uh gain two life this one is just a little, for a little bit of life gain but it's also to further separate our po- hours and our opponent's life totals one of the problems that spell singer decks have is they don't run a lot of creatures which means they tend to be the subject of a lot of uh block uh, uh, attackers just because incidental attacks mm-hmm. and so life gain is relevant but also with firebrand archer and casting flame breather you're not really blocking with them a whole ton sometimes a little bit but not a lot and they lower your opponent's life totals, which separates yours. But you can also go the other way, and you yourself can gain life, which also separates your life totals a bit. Right. So putting some padding there kind of helps with that combat bit. Uh, but the real payoff of the deck here is Hero of the Nyxborn. If you looked at the at the deck list, which will be in the show notes, uh, you'll see that a lot of our spells all target one, maybe two things. And the a lot of protection based spells though a lot of you know give hero the next one protection from a color just in case he's trying to be removed but there's also a lot of flicker and and and, uh blink effects in the deck the point of that is because it gets you it gets you the heroic trigger for targeting hero but it also gives you and enters the battlefield trigger for his tokens so the real uh strategy of this deck is and how it wins by slinging spells is accruing incidental value over the course of a game through through creating tokens through these spell slinger cards and eventually getting to a point where you can just alpha swing your opponents and yeah so hero becomes really important uh we want to have an answer in hand at all times we want to protect him we want to flicker him so a lot of our spells kind of do that they they you know flicker him they protect him they might protect the whole board uh, just that kind of stuff there's there is some removal which we'll get to later in pillar four but there's not as much as a, a spell slinger deck does tend to run just incidentally right and i i really like your your flicker protection spells in here because a like you were saying it, it protects him but b it gives yep. you that etb it gives you that extra creature token and you know it's a spell that targeted him so you yep. kind of did all three in one you know you hit him with that ephemerate or whatever and you just got all three abilities at one time so yeah. i like that quite a bit all right dave what do you think does orzov get some good payoffs for uh, for your graveyard spell slinging yeah so let's talk about pillar three this is how we're going to keep our handful to be able to keep spell slinging no we've already done that it's the same we've pillar done that Firia... <laughs> same thing Furia does this uh yeah i'm not gonna i'm not gonna say all that again uh Furia rewards you for casting spells by giving you more spells to cast which is great um there is there is a way off this ride this engine that builds a bigger engine uh mm-hmm. it there is an end in sight and that end is called extort we're in white and black. We have access to all six of the extort creatures at common, and we just run all of them because, like, that's the only meaningful win condition this deck has. Sure. Uh, if we're going to be casting four spells a turn cycle, then, uh, yeah, let's just drain everyone for four life and gain 12. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do that. Or or you know, eight and twenty-four if we have two extort creatures out. You know, whatever yeah. you whatever you want. However much you can mm-hmm. afford, just do that. 
the uh that is that is very orzov of you yeah whatever you can afford is <laughs> so, your life <laughs> furia was the second orzov deck i built the first one that i had for many many years before Furia even existed was viscopa guild mage which has that mm, ability where when, wow. you, when you gain life you drain everyone else and i was like man i'm really excited to have an orzov deck that's different from this from the viscopa one and blake looked at me he goes is it different and i was like yeah it wins by <laughs> oh man <laughs> like, oh crap it's yeah. the same same deck. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's pretty much why I, I I stopped at three Orzov PDH decks because yeah they just like they just ended up being the same. They're One's I, maybe a little more aristocraty than the others. They're <laughs> identical, but they're all extort. They're all game drain. I, like, they're I, all graveyard stuff. I eventually took Viscopa Guildmage apart because it's like it's the exact same deck, and Fierce is just so much more interesting. So sure. But yeah, I've uh I've, I've got a lot of extort. I'm gonna do the life drain thing. Uh, the thing that pairs really well with Extort is there's a, a couple of creatures, Blight Priest of Malakir and Epicure of Blood. Uh, these are the guys that are going to trigger anytime you gain life, they're going to make everyone else lose an extra life. So Marauding Blight Priest. Marauding Blight? Did I? Oh, I did that wrong. Did the, I? Other, the other one is the party one that comes in and drains oh. them for your party members. I was right about the Blight awesome. Priest part. Uh, yes. Yeah, so... Um, a Blight Priest and an Epicure. Uh, these are going to effectively double the rate at which you're extorting people. Um, and they, they also trigger anytime Furia deals damage, uh, anytime when you play your Inspiring Overseer and you draw a card and gain a life, they'll get you, they'll, they'll, they'll trigger then. That's, that's really it for like the, um, the actual like spell slinging payoff. It's basically just, mm -hmm. you know, Furia and extort. Uh, but then, you know, if you dig deeper into the life gain, the life draining thing, uh, I've got, I've got Gary for reasons. I'm not proud of it, but I don't regret it. <laughs> um, I've got Gary and, uh, I mentioned earlier that, you know, one of the ways that I'm going to keep my hand full is triggering Furia with spells that cast themselves twice, like things that have rebound, like Ephemerate. So I like do ephemerate. have. It's funny that you mentioned ephemerate right after Gary. Oh, Isn't it weird. right? Oh. Hi, oh. I am not <laughs> proud of this, but <laughs> I don't regret it. I regret nothing. Gary and ephemerate. No, I wouldn't either. That's Orzov mm. regrets nothing. That's yet. my that's my spell swinging payoff. I love it. Seems suspicious. Mm. Unabashed Gary ephemerate stand. <laughs> I. I am not. I'm actually very ashamed of it. But, like, I gotta. You have to. You have to in the Furia deck. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. All right. I think that wraps up the second pillar, which was pillar one. How about we go on to pillar two, which is the third pillar today? Yeah, I want to hear about pillar two. Yeah. All right. So, all this stuff. We're doing all this stuff. We're casting spells. We're extorting people. You know, we're doing all this craziness. We're, 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 we're flickering our Boros commander, but... How can we actually afford to do this? How are we paying for all these spells? You know, where is this mana coming from? Well, is it isn't known for producing uh, a ton of mana? I see what I did there. I yeah, see so. what you did there. <laughs> now that now I regret decisions. <laughs> um, that was bad. Was it, this card uh... bear is not known for producing a lot of mana in a single turn. That's usually what Teemer or Gruul does because they have access to like mana morphos, mana dorks, yada yada yada. However, because Iconoclast cares about everything that isn't a creature, 
we're able to kind of use that to our advantage and load up on mana rocks and some red uh, the red rituals to give us that little extra boost. I've got some of what you'd expect to see in here. Commander's, uh, Commander's Sphere, Decanter of Endless Water, that sort of thing. Uh, what helps a lot, especially since my commander is so deliciously cheap, is Everflowing Chalice. You know, that, um, that commander tax is really going to start to rack up. So if you can get two or three counters on Everflowing Chalice, it becomes a lot more easy to cast them, a lot more easy to swallow. Plus, the Chalice also helps if you're going to get into big mana spells like Fireball, uh, Disintegrate, that sort of thing. Um, it'll even help for pay for a Galvanic Relay early early in the game if you think you can handle it. I, I love that uh, if you're it, desperate, you can just cast Chalice for zero for like four triggers. You could just get triggers and paint. Like you could, w theoretically, you could win the game for casting a Chalice with no counters on it. Yeah. Just a zero mana. Just <laughs> do nothing. Chalice to trigger Reckless Fireweaver and Iconoclast. Iconoclast trigger mm. hits the Fireweaver again. It's hits the Artillerist. So easy. <laughs> it is. See, it is so easy. It just kind of plays itself. Is If this deck had hands, <laughs> it would play itself. Uh, as far as the red rituals go right now, I am running Desperate Ritual and Rite of Flame. Granted, Rite of Flame really only shines in formats where you can play multiples of them because it's just awesome to get all that free mana. But, you know, I, I cast uh, Rite of Flame, I think, on turn two on Saturday, and it felt great. You know, like, free mana is free mana, and I was able to, to do some stuff with it. Granted, it, it's never going to get out of control because there's only one of them in the deck, but it just it feels good, gives you a little extra boost when you need it. Uh, another thing that's going to help us help afford all these spells is Goblin Electromancer. It really helps a bunch. You've got to put yourself in a position to use this mana reduction a couple times to feel like you got some value out of it. Because just like the Commander, just like Iconoclast, it is not going to live very long. It's one of those seemingly innocuous creatures that comes down and people are like, oh, okay, Electromancer, that's fine. It's just a little, he's probably not going to attack with it. What am I worried about? And then you get two or three spells off, and they're like, oh, we need to deal with that, and then it's dead. <laughs> so you need to be in a position where you can get two, three, four spells at a discount off of it before it dies, just like just like the commander. Try to get as many spells off of it before it's removed as you possibly can, basically. Overall, though, this deck wants to win fast. It can withstand a sweeper if necessary, but it's looking to close things out before turn 10. Like, it's just looking to ping people to death, go wide to death, whatever you want to do. Uh, that is asking a lot of the deck as a whole, but it's not asking a lot of our mana because everything is so cheap. And with that being the case, we just don't need a lot of ramp. This deck, assuming your draws are good, assuming your scries are good, assuming you can hold on to a counter spell or two or a... Uh, dive down, Mizium skin, what have you. you. This deck can function and win off six six mana. Like like Liam and I were just talking about, I, I missed two complete land drops. I never did catch those back up, and I still ended up pulling the game out. It can happen yeah, because I, it's I so fast. I still don't know what happened. No, I don't either. It's, I didn't even know I won until, I, you know, like some people, are, they play a game and they're like, oh yeah, you know, my, my, my deck just turned a corner and I won. Like, we were already past that corner before I realized I was winning. Like it was just so yeah, fast. Yeah, we like 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 the everyone built a scary board state. And I I mean everyone. Mm -hmm. So there was a board wipe, which wiped pretty much everything. Yeah, Wales was on Circara. And then and then you built a board again and I built a board again. 
and there was a second board wipe. And that second board wipe took out one of the players uh-huh. and then left me with no board. And you still had half a board. And I was like, hey, uh, Wales, we should worry about Brad. And he's like, nah, it'll be fine. I should hit my first dragon's approach. <laughs> and then three turns later, I was like, yeah, we're dead, Wales. Yeah. Like- <laughs> yeah, it does help that like Flame Breather and all those have three butts. That's nice. Mm-hmm. So that's how I'm paying for stuff. Couple of rituals, couple of mana rocks, and goblin electromancer, and just hope I hit at least two to three of those in some order throughout the game. All right, Yargle, it looks like here in the show notes you have an extensive piece, a thesis, if you will, on how you're going to afford all this mana. What do you got? Yeah. Uh, so Boros decks, not known for their card draw, not known for the mana ramp. We are running a, a healthy 35 lands and 11 mana rocks. That's it. All right. That, that's how we're getting our mana. There's, there's no, there's no fancy rituals. There's no fancy ramp spells. There's no fancy nothing. It's, it's good clean magic. Thirty-five. Yeah, good clean magic. Thirty-five lands, eleven mana rocks. Uh, uh you know, and that eleven mana rocks is kind of sketchy, right? Like, do we count merging duo drone and scantillo <laughs> as mana rocks? Yes. Like, I think for the purposes of Boros specifically, yes, they I count. Think so. Absolutely. And, and Dave thinks they counts. So. That's all I need. Yep. Um, famed RC member siding with me. Uh, so eleven mana rocks. I don't. I don't. I don't care what the comments say. I got. I got eleven mana rocks. Right. So yeah. Tr- that's that's how a casting spells. Trust, trust your local Sounds math good. magician. Your math magician. That's right. Yeah. That's all I'm doing. It's a good thing to be doing. What's Orzov doing? Orzov tends, has- tends to have a lot of money. <laughs> they have a lot of resources. Orzov has a completely there? different yeah, plan. And that's not true. It's the exact same plan. I, I think <laughs> by by my count, I think that I am running twelve rocks. So one of the things Ah, oh, you just had to one up well, me. Of course. So one of the things that Orzhov really needs, if I'm gonna be casting, you know, four spells per turn cycle or or maybe even six if I'm very lucky, I I wanted to focus really on the big rocks. So I I definitely windmill slammed Urgolem's eye and Sisse's ring into this deck. Because I want okay. I want to be spending four mana on a rock that makes two. Like balanced soul ring is really good for me. Sure. Um, I also love that they come in untapped. So like I can I can do this thing where you know you spend four mana on an Urgolem's eye, and then you immediately tap it for two to play a you know arcane signet, and bam, that's it. That's your two spells. That's your fears of trigger. All of your land, the rest of your land and your arcane signet are still untapped for you to get your other triggers off of Fierja on other people's turns. So it's mm-hmm. uh, it's a it's a pretty good investment for these big rocks, ever flowing. Yeah, and that's that's not like magical Christmas land or whatever. No, that's, that's doable. That's extremely that's part doable. Of the plan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So I'm also running what I think of as like the draw rocks in case things get pretty desperate. So Bonders, Orzhov Locket, Orozka Relic, Commander Sphere. Uh, these are for me, these are really, these are pretty good rocks. They mostly I'm just gonna use them for the mana. But if I if I need to draw a spell, they they get there. And like they, the rocks plan with Furia is so powerful because the rocks are gonna trigger Furia and they're gonna fuel the rest of the things you cast, and they're gonna trigger all the extort. So like it's it's base it's just free money in Furia. The- and I've been coming around a lot lately on the uh, the lockets. I never really played them very much, but. Oh, they're creeping up there lately. Yeah, they're 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 basically like that infernal idol that just came out of Jumpstart, which yeah. is pretty good. Yeah. So like, it turns out we already had about ten of those. So like, yeah. <laughs> Who still, knew? Still pretty good. Um, 
the other way I'm going to try and keep my uh, my mana use optimized, I guess I'll say, is uh, I I wanted to lean really hard into foretell. When I first built the deck, I like to one of the things I like to do when I first build a deck is I like to I like to put set mechanics into that the commander's deck. So Furia is a Kaldheim commander, Fortel is a Kaldheim mechanic. I wanted to see how they played together because I felt like they were designed to be like at least vaguely mm, sort okay. of similar. Um, mm-hmm. And th- there is a lot of good synergy there. Like Furia, if you're trying to cast exactly two spells a turn, Fortel gives you a great way to like spend some extra mana on a turn where you might have some excess mana to make sure that on a subsequent turn you can cast a spell for really cheap. And like you can you can kind of smooth out these you can smooth out the mana expenditure, you can smooth out the the two spells per turn thing really well with Fortel. My first draft had all the Fortel spells in it. I've since been taking some of them out. Uh, things like Scorn Effigy, uh, which is a it foretells for zero, but is a two three body that doesn't do anything else. Yeah. Uh, that that I got a lot of hope for that card. Yeah, it seems cool, but it's <clears throat> Not not what I wanted it to be. So, I'll, like, a lot of them have gotten the, an axe, but I, I still run a couple of Fortel cards. Uh, I think most notably is Doomscar Oracle, which uh, not only does the Fortel thing, which Fierza likes, he also has a trigger on your second cast per turn, which is just gain two life. So he's he's checking a lot of different boxes in mm-hmm. this deck. Yep. That's how I'm spending my mana. Sounds, um... Sounds like Orzov. Nice and grindy. Yeah, basically the exact same plan as Liam's plan. Uh, yep. <laughs> lands and rocks. Got lots of lands, lots, lots of rocks. A, I love it. It's a good It's a, it's good, a good plan. It's my Scare plan. Tiller does so much work <laughs> in this deck that is constantly binning lands. Like And and both of your decks have white, so I'm beginning to see a trend. Yep, yep, yep. Hmm. There's <laughs> Liam and I. This, this is the thing I love about the three by threes. We really get to dig into like the the comparisons we have here. Like Liam, Liam's the Yargle deck, and I'm I'm the the much more like standard issue spell slinger. But we're both running like basically the exact same mana package. Yeah, and like yeah. so 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 I can go into more detail as as well that like Dave did. It's like I'm running you know the Arcane Signet. And and that stuff, the Boros Signet, the, the the obvious ones, right? But I'm also running the emergency card draw ones, like Bottoms yeah. One of It and, and Boros Locket, Lock it. the Relic, yeah. Uh, Network Terminal because Scare Tiller, sure. you know. Seer's Lantern was mentioned earlier because the the card sight that it it allows. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Unstable Obelisk because I don't know if you've ever tried to remove an Oubliette in Boros, but it sucks. Uh, yeah. So that's what the Obelisk <laughs> is for. Sure does. Uh, so yeah. Um, no, but yeah, like like Dave was saying, we you know it's funny that despite being the odd deck, it is yeah. still running you I, know I, similar-ish I love, cards. I love to see the similarities between you know in the in the white and the mana package between our decks and like in the in the red, like you would you and Brad both have the red decks and you know you're both just you know slamming Kessig Flame Breathers, Firebrand Archers, Thermo Alchemists. Like these are just high quality high impact cards like it doesn't matter what kind of spell slinger you're doing you want these cards in your red spell slinger deck yep so yeah very cool stuff you know what's also cool is the last pillar i love how to not die how are we going to control this game how are we going to win this game how are we going to more importantly not die that's what our decks are trying to do but you know what is it that's what i got and besides casting spells 
Do you know what is it also does really, really well? It counters spells really, really well. You know, stack interaction is huge in this deck, but thankfully you only need it at very specific points in the game. So we're not going to have to, we don't need a ton of counter magic because we're just not that type of deck. We're not even like a scred, you know, tempo deck. We're literally just a Xerox deck that's just jamming spells. So don't go, don't go overboard with the counter spells. Don't go overboard with the um, interaction, that sort of thing. Just a few helpful pieces that I found will go a long, long way are uh, Arcane Denial, Dream Fracture, which is kind of the, the more fair Arcane Denial, uh, Keep Safe, and Confound, which I never played Confound before, but I wanted one more counter, a piece of counter magic that drew me a card, and, and this was it. It's basically a, a colorless and a blue counter target spell that targets one or more creatures, and you draw a card. That's it. I put it in the deck because it says draw a card and counter target spell. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even care what the cost That's was, all you so need. put it in there. Uh, I have found that you don't really need more than one to, I don't know, one to five pieces of counter magic total, because any more than that, and you're just going to be sitting there with these dead cards in your hand, and one thing that will kill you faster than your opponents is sitting there doing nothing in a with a deck that's supposed to be doing multiple somethings every single turn. So what's nice is that you, if you find yourself in a stack war, every one of those spells that you you are casting, you know, if you're trying to counter spell, if you're trying to hit them with removal, this sort of thing, every one of those spells is getting you another dude. It's putting another body on the board. It's getting another ping around the table, and the cycle just begins again. It's 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 beautiful. Uh, another control option that I've been kind of waffling on adding into the deck. I, I think I put it in the list here for the um, for the listeners to look at, but I haven't put it in my paper version yet, is uh, Temporal Fissure. This one I almost completely forgot about because it's actually banned in 60-card pauper because it's just way too powerful. Uh, but it's four generic and a blue for a sorcery. Return target permanent to its owner's hand. Oh, but wait, it has Storm. Like that's gonna get super out of hand, you know, yep. just based off the um the little stack interactions of the game we had Saturday. Like I cast some spells, Liam hit prismatic strands. I think Wales did something else, and before I knew it, the storm count was at seven. I had only cast like half of those, you know, like three or like four of those. <laughs> I can't imagine like getting a storm count up to ten or twelve and then hitting the board with a temporal fissure. That is backbreaking. So. You know, whether you're going through or whether you're going with the um, win through combat approach, uh, you're looking, you're staring down a pestilence or at a complete standstill because of an opposing board state, being able to storm out to, to protect your dudes for one giant attack or to clear their path for a uh, fatal attack, Temporal Fissure is going to put in some serious work. I actually think I'm going to throw it in my paper deck because I just want to try it. I want to cast it once for a million and just kind of kind of see what happens thankfully on spell table you can't see your opponent's faces so i won't get all the dirty things <laughs> but ultimately the best control option in this deck is to kill your opponents before they can do anything about it and to me that is very is it and iconoclast sort of personifies that perfectly now i am sure the boros yargle has some ways to uh control people what do you got liam yeah uh when it comes to control it's it's more about protection of my own stuff than it is uh stopping what my opponent is doing now i say that but the deck is running stuff like lightning bolt and uh braid and chains of custody 
Uh, it's got Leave No Trace in the deck, which is hilarious. Yes, this deck is running all of the Radiance cards. Amazing. <laughs> it has some classic control uh, removal pieces like that, but really the deck is looking to kind of sit there and make itself not the target while also just waiting to sculpt the perfect hand to just alpha strike the opponents. Sounds like the Boros. deck is running like, and yeah, I mean, it, it is like the, the deck is running. It's either three or four ways to just mass grant haste all at once. So you, you build up a board, maybe you put two or three or four creatures out in one turn and then bam, they all have haste mm-hmm. and your opponents just don't like it. It's unexpected. Uh, so life gain with Suture Priest and Student of Ojitai is, is there. We're running Witty Roastmaster and Impact Tremors because we are making tokens, and that's, that is relevant damage we don't want to just be leaving on the table. Right. But in addition, those things draw removal away from some of our other more key pieces. Like, those things will draw removal draw out of our opponent's hands because they're like, oh, that's the scary thing. When in reality, we're not infinite comboing. Like, like we're not a combo deck those things are just a, they're just accruing value but because of the stigma that comes with them exactly you know we're okay we're okay if impact tremors gets removed because it means our chain of custody or our oh what's the other one our tavern brawler which is the actual thing that's giving us the most value isn't being removed mm-hmm. uh we we are writing for a minute i was really confused yeah. about the the idea of impact tremors and enchantment drawing removal away from your commander and i was like what removal are you expecting like o-rings and I was like, no, your commander's also an enchantment. Like that's that's extremely fair. Yeah. Your commander gets naturalized. <laughs> yes. So if if Oof, if that the would feel bad. if yeah. the impact tremors eats the naturalized, then that's one less naturalized for your commander to eat. So uh-huh. yeah, yeah, yeah no, good call. Uh, if if at any point if at any point you're looking at this deck list and you're like, why is he running like eight blink spells? Because my command is an enchantment, and it's going to get hit by incidental stuff yeah, all the time. Yeah, it will, too. Or someone's, or someone's going to be like, oh, this naturalized just kills his commando. <laughs> hey, look at me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, yeah, we need to protect the commando at all costs. Uh, so I, you know, I, I can only imagine the commando being targeted in a single game no more than eight or nine times. But right. he is to hoping, right? right? <laughs> that's what the rocks uh, are for. Cast right. him for 13. That's what the rocks are for. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I mean, the commander starts at three, so it's not terrible, uh, but it's definitely not something we want to be casting for like seven or nine. So, sure. no, that's well, we're hoping that some of these stuff draws some some hate away. Uh, we've got Dawn Charm, which is just great all around, honestly, for this deck. Yeah, that card uh, so, yeah. puts in a lot of work sometimes. Oh, it does. It like it's it's funny because it, it's it puts in a ton of work for certain decks and then the other decks it's in. It's just like, yeah, it's OK. Yeah, it's fine. It's it's a. It's a cut if I need a random yeah. cut, but it's okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it's just like, it's, but but in this deck in particular, it's putting in, it's every, every mode is, is putting in walk. Yeah, so, for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, that's, that's this deck. We got one left. We know it's the Orzov. What are you doing, Dave? Orzov, I think is known for controlling. So how are you going to not die? So, some of the control I'm going to run to make sure I don't die is extremely familiar to everyone because it's called Pestilence and Crypt Rats. And, <gasps> uh, gasp right and overwhelming remorse i think uh is the the new one from brothers war i think with with furia just dumping stuff into a graveyard constantly i think overwhelming remorse is always just going to be a single black mana exile a creature which Mm -hmm. is nuts at instant speed huge i've i've got uh, a small suite of removal that is much less ubiquitous but much more suited to what the deck really wants to do so i mentioned crippling fatigue is a, a sorcery gives a creature minus two minus two and flashes back for two mana and three life. 
That's mm -hmm. what we really want to be doing with our flashback spells. Mogus's Favor is an aura that gives plus two, minus one, and has uh, escape. That's uh, some of the very cool, like, repeatable removal we want to do to get lots of casts going on. Yep. I wanted to add a, a small chunk of removal that I thought was really flavorful, with Firia being the angelic judge of valor. So she's running around determining whether all of these dead mortals go to, you know, Valheim or, you know, Valhalla or, you know, whatever, whatever the appropriate, the afterlife for heroes or the afterlife for cowards, uh, sure. basically. So I put in, you know, Angelic Purge, uh, not a great card, but a very versatile card. It's a sorcery that exiles, like, I think a permanent, but you have to sacrifice a permanent to, to do it. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, Afterlife is uh, a white instant that will destroy a creature, but leave behind a 1-1 spirit token for them. So uh, sending, having Furia send someone to the afterlife I thought was really poetic. So Yeah, uh, I like that. Yeah. Uh, so I wanted to have some removal that was like very um, flavorfully on point, as well as some removal that was powerful and some removal that was mechanically on point. I got a good mix of them all three. Yeah, I think so. Um. The other part of my don't die plan is uh, there's a lot of incidental life gain in the deck between the extort and the doomscar oracle and the life link on Firia and the you know the the life gain on inspiring overseer or priest of ancient lore like there's a lot of just ways that you're going to be gaining a lot of life so that's going to help us not die I mentioned before homestead courage and sentinel's eyes they will make your flying life linking two four bigger and give her vigilance and like how how are you going to profitably attack <laughs> into an untapped three five life linker like you can't you're gonna like i feel like this is one of those decks that when you're you're playing against it and you look up at the spell table screen or whatever and you're just like how are you still at 42 life right <laughs> right like you gotta Ugh. if you send both of your four fours i'll block one and gain three and i'll take four from the other like your two four fours will deal me one damage yeah you just wasted basically that whole combat step that's if i don't have gossamer chains <laughs> like i will <laughs> i will just completely ignore one of your creatures every turn cycle with gossamer chains so yeah, uh bring the, it on. the deck is weirdly vaguely sort of pillow fort ish um gossamer chains does goes hard i've got you know prismatic strands i mentioned i really want cards that flash back for cheap prismatic strands flashes back for free and is basically a fog so yeah really good yeah i'm this deck is like weirdly defensive while it puts together its massive crazy engine that builds a bigger engine, uh, pretty good at not dying. Uh, you have to, you have to I think really. That is very, that is very Orzov. Yeah. Like you just said it's very protective while it puts together its its engine. I think that that sums up Orzov to a T in my eyes. And I, and I really love the way that it does it. Like this is one of the most interesting decks for me to play because uh, some of our other guests in the past, I think maybe Derek is the one that first brought this to my attention. He, where he says he's, maybe I'm misremembering the person. Someone said that they're really into like the tactile elements of magic. Maybe that was Brad. Now that I'm thinking about it, like <laughs> the, you're very into the tactile elements, the drawing the cards, the tapping the things, the moving, moving pieces around, doing things. Mm -hmm. This deck does a lot. Like you're you're moving stuff out of your graveyard into your graveyard. You're choosing cards from your deck. You're putting some in your hand, some in your graveyard. Yeah, you're, you're escaping stuff. You're yeah, putting on enchantments and auras. And 
always doing things. You're constantly making decisions. You are involved in every part of the game on everyone's turn. Uh, and you're defensive and building an engine and draining people out and working towards the the finisher, which uh, I I will pretend here is you know attacking with a couple creatures or a crypt rats but we all know that it's gary and ephemerate but uh (laughs) yeah it's uh it's a very cool orzhov deck i think you're doing things constantly and you're you're doing very orzhov flavored things in a way that's very yeah very much so spell slingerish so super fun yeah i I enjoy that i was looking at your lists speaking of moving moving pieces and touching stuff and playing with the cards and stuff like you have just for example you have 13 artifacts and only two of them, Sisei's Ring and Golem's Eye, only those two don't do anything but tap for mana. All the other ones you can sacrifice to get a basic land, to draw a card, or gain some life, or you know what have you, Bonders Ornament, that sort of thing. So mm-hmm. I think that's what you're talking about is anytime you do something, you have other options to do as well. It's not just mm-hmm. you're not just stuck with the uh the text on the card, if you will. Yeah. Yeah, tons of options with everything, and like, and you're yeah. constantly making choices about what goes into your hand and what goes into your graveyard. Yeah, right. just lots of. It's a very uh, cognitive deck. You have to be thinking about everything a lot. But if you're if you're into thinking about everything and constantly making decisions, then it's it's an extremely entertaining deck. It will. Yeah, seems like a nice little puzzle. All right, well, I think that puts a close on pillar four. There's some good decks this week, fellas. I liked it. Yeah, but. Yeah, we are running a little long this week, but that's okay. It was a good episode. We do have mm-hmm. one listener question, though, courtesy of North Dakota via the PDH Pod Discord server. Do you have any decks that you built and played for one to two games and immediately realized you didn't like the deck after all? What went wrong with the deck? What do you think, Liam? You want to start us off? Yeah, I'll start us off. Uh, so this actually applies to my very very first pdh deck when i first got into the format uh i had pirate captains breaches and malcolm uh perhaps the worst pair of pirate captains you've ever heard of but (laughs) you've heard of them yeah this this deck was all about flavor it was right after commander legends one came out i was i was really hyped on building these guys as commons getting a bunch of common pirates in there leaned very 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 heavy into the pirate theme being my first PDH deck, it was very laughable. Uh, it did not have nearly enough mana because I was coming from EDH. Uh, it did not have nearly enough removal because I was coming from EDH. <laughs> it did not have nearly enough interaction at all. I think I was running like 40 creatures. Damn. So I, you know, brought my, yeah, oh yeah. I, I, oh, I yeah. brought my uh, happy self over to the uh, PDH home base Discord server, dropped in the deck help, very happy, and was like, yeah, what do y'all think of this? What are your recommendations? <laughs> and probably if you had want some to go back, words. oh, if you want to go back through that, uh, I had to actually go back right when we were in the and at the very start of this episode when we were doing the uh, uh, conversation and and see who ripped the deck apart because uh, it was it was a couple people, uh, but two who stick out, uh, uh, Papa Papa and uh, Sniff. Nice. Oh, they ripped me apart. Sure. Uh, they they ripped the deck apart. They were like, take this out, put this in, take this out, put this in. Here's why. Da, da, da. Like, it was like a three-hour conversation. <laughs> uh, and at the end of it, I, it, it wasn't either of them. It was someone else. But at the end of it, they were like, why don't you just build Malcolm Kettis? And I was like, yeah, why don't I just build Malcolm Kettis? Yeah, why not? Um, so, so, so while Malcolm and Breaches might have been my uh, first 
Brew. Uh, Malcolm Kettis was my first actual paper deck. Malcolm and Breaches didn't even make it out of theory crafting. Uh, <laughs> and that is the only PDH deck I can say that about. All of my other PDH decks have at least made it out of theory crafting and into paper at least once. Sure. This is the only deck that didn't. Didn't even not have its sea it was, legs. It didn't it have was, any legs. It was that bad. Uh yeah. It was it was pretty awful. Um yeah, I I don't even have the list anymore. And I'm glad I don't because I just <laughs> I remember it being so bad. Oof. Nice. Yeah. So that 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 was that deck. Um how how about you, Brad? How was your deck? How was how, what, what would you uh consider to be a, a deck that you did not like after one or two games? <sighs> well, everybody knows about my torrid relationship with Sarah Vox, so I will not rehash that one, but that does qualify as an answer to this question. One of the more I actually don't know what you don't like about Sarah Vox. Oh, it's I just know you don't like just it. horrendous. Mm-hmm. Like it's a, it's just it's a trap. Oh that's right. It doesn't it doesn't work. It, it, it never works. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't work and it makes you a target. So you're losing while not yeah. being able to do anything. <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. Uh, uh but second though I was reminded of this card recently Tormented Hero. I, I still love the creature but it never worked the way I wanted it to. I think I gave it three games, and every single game went the exact same way. I was able to trigger it mm, four times, and then I died. Like That's just how it ended up going every time. So I took it apart. Thankfully, recently, like yesterday, uh, Dave introduced me to Thrall Parasite. Never learned of that creature before. Uh, Mono Black Extort, basically it taps to remove counters, that sort of thing. And... I think that's what I wanted Tormented Hero to be this entire time. So I'm going to give that another whirl. Uh, I also built Gibbering Barricade from... God, I don't even remember what it said. Oh, from uh, Dominaria United. It was f- fun. Like, if they ever... If Watsi ever built, or the PDH pod, ever built Popper Commander Precons, Gibbering Barricade would be a deck. Do you mean... It ended up being... Do you mean Blightbile? Hmm? Is that the name of it? Gibbering Barricade is the common. Ah, uh, yes, I do. Okay. Dang it. Blight Pile yep, is the one that drains pile. everyone. My bad. Blight okay, Pile. I'm just upset that both of you are calling this thing Gibbering Barricade when it's Gibbering Barricade. Gibbering. It's not, not even Gibbering. I'm, yes, not, I'm not here to pile. pronounce words. Colorless and a black for a 3 3 with Defender. <laughs> Pay some mana. Tap it. Each player, each opponent loses X life where X is the number of creatures you control with Defender. I feel like this would be the perfect Pauper Commander precon deck so it was fun to play but it was only fun to play once so i took it apart i'm glad to hear you say that because i absolutely would have built blight pile if i had not like two months earlier just built uh catapult so catapult fodder okay there's a there's a (laughs) there's a card there's a very similar black card from one of the drawn sets that flips into something that lets you sacrifice a creature to make someone lose life equal to its toughness. Oh, and it's this yeah, bottle yeah, black yeah, thing yeah. that I just filled with like big meaty walls. And so like <laughs> when Blight Pile came out, I was like, oh that'd be cool. No, I already built that deck. It'd be the exact same thing. So I yeah. I didn't. But I'm now now I don't have to because you've told me that it's dis- vaguely disappointing. It was fun. It was functional, but it just wasn't I I, I don't know. Something about it was completely missing. So I think it's pre-con level, but that's about it. There's nothing against it. Feel free to build it if you wanna if you wanna do that sort of thing. But um, I think the only other one, I guess, since I'm talking about, is it this week? I will say that I built mischievous chimera, 
and the deck was honestly a lot of fun. It just wasn't the sort of is it deck that I was looking for. Iconoclast, Third Path Iconoclast is way, I think this is the is it deck I'm looking for. Like, I just want to rip through my deck. If I end up losing, that's fine. I just, I sleeved up, I took the time to sleeve up 100 cards. I want to see as many of them as possible. Mm -hmm. I wanted to just burn through my deck. And Mischievous Chimera isn't really like that. It's just sort of a pinger hoping you can cast spells on your opponent's turn sort of thing, and it can be good. Wait, I've played against a good deck, I'm, a good Chimera deck, but what do you got? I'm confused, Brad. You said you took the time to sleeve up cards? Yeah, I, I don't did. understand what that means. All my cards, every every well, deck, all the does time. Not, does, does not compute. So silky smooth. It's milky, silky smooth like cardboard, right? I don't, I'm, it's like, not coming through. Yeah. I'm not. Yeah. yeah, that's it. Like like cardboard that's been, you know, scraped across you know, black top. Yeah, matte finish. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. It's almost like leather. It's been tapped and untapped so many times. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Mischievous Chimera lasted about three games before I realized <laughs> it's good. It's got all good spells. It's just not really what I want to be doing. So what do you got, Dave? Yeah. What have you played and taken apart, sadly? Have maybe you, not sadly. Have you ever heard the tragedy of Darth... Lay and Lore Weaver, the wise. <laughs> I have not. It's not a story that the tryhards would tell you. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna take you back in time a little bit. Uh, let us let us in our in in the in our mind's eye. Let us rewind the clocks. Three years, four years. When did Battlebond come out? I don't, don't answer that. I don't want to talk about it. Rewind <laughs> the clocks a few years in your minds to a place in time before. CPDH existed. Okay. Uh, I think this was around the time that Crash joined the server, and like there were people were starting in the very beginning stages of starting to talk about maybe playing competitive games sometime in the distant future. It wasn't it wasn't a thing. It was a glimmer in someone's mm-hmm. eye. This was not sure. a part of the meta. I saw the partner commanders from Battlebond, and I thought this is a really cool mechanic. These are legal commanders. I'm going to build partner commanders in a game of magic. And I was looking at the, f- there's five different partner options, one for each uh, enemy color pair. And I looked at Lauren Layweaver and I said to myself, this is going to make a fantastic group hug deck because <laughs> Weaver can untap my opponent's lands. If they're behind on mana, if they're missing land drops, I can give them mana. I can help them out. And, and you know, uh, the other one, it, do- it says target player. You can, you can, if someone's behind on cards, I can, I can give them cards. I can, so I, I built this lay and lore weaver deck, the, the, this group hug lay and lore weaver deck with, I, I put in all the, you know, the words of wisdom, you draw two and everyone else draws one. I put in vision skeins. Each player draws two. I put in, you know, all the, all the parlay cards, all of the, each player gets to do a thing card, like soaring show off. Each player draws a card. I put in all mm-hmm. these group hug things and I was going to, I was going to, I was excited to play this group hug deck. And I was like, uh, I guess I'll throw in, uh, you know, galvanic alchemist and, uh, you know, whatever freed from the real. Cause maybe, maybe I need an out to win a game. This deck comboed on accident on like turn six every time i played it <laughs> i never group hugged anyone and it was so awkward because like you know i'm, I'm sitting there with like lay weaver lore weaver are online they're in play i draw galvanic alchemist and i'm sitting there you know it's like turn turn seven or whatever and i'm like okay so i mean 
I guess I could play the Alchemist and then win, and then the game is over, and I haven't done anything that I wanted to do with this deck. Right. Or I could just pretend like I don't have the win con in my hand and like let people play this like f- this sham of a game. Like I can't just end it at instant speed whenever I want. Like every time I played it, it just felt bad. Like I wasn't group hugging. I was just comboing out. Like I, I accidentally found combos that I didn't even mean to put in the deck. I would just draw a card and be like, it was like, it was like, Pester my combo. Like it wasn't like some people, like I take apart decks because it didn't do what I wanted it to do. You're the opposite in that you're taking apart the deck because it didn't do what you wanted it to do, but it did it in a way that you were, that it was making yeah. you win. Like I accidentally <laughs> built competitive lay and lore weavers when I was trying to build stupid idiot group hug lay and lore weavers. Like I thought I was building a pals deck and I built the competitive yeah, deck. I, and I was when, <laughs> when you when you said you built them group hug, I was I was over here laughing because yeah. I was like, nothing about those reads. Group I was hug. trying they like read man, I put like I put Oasis in the deck. I was gonna I was gonna <laughs> prevent damage to people's creatures. I put Forge of Heroes into this deck. I was going to give other people's no, commanders no, no, no. counters. All, all of those Battle Bond partner pairs are messed oh, up. They are yeah. messed up. All of yeah. them. All, every rarity, all of them are messed yeah. up. So I Ugh. I abandoned Lane Lord Weavers pretty abruptly. Um, Understood. Uh, other, other decks that have survived a bit longer than those. Uh, Spellheart Chimera, I built when it came out in 2013 or whatever. Uh, I... I, w- I thought it would be cute to have this oops all spells deck because there were there were literally mm-hmm. no permanents in the entire deck except for lands spell high command it was everything else was instants and sorceries and i thought awesome. it was going to be this fun thing and then it, it ended up playing in a way that i really hated it was an eliminate like my my massive glaring complaint with multiplayer magic is that it's an elimination game and if one mm-hmm. player gets knocked out in the first 10 mm-hmm. minutes and the game goes for another 90 the the whoever got knocked out is just bored out of their minds watching you guys play a game that they should by rights have been participating. Because we've all been that player. Right. And And it's not fun. Spellheart Chimera does that and I hated it. Uh, So I took that one apart right away. Viashino Slaughtermaster did the same thing. uh, Just much, much more aggressively. Uh, It kills one player on turn like two and then it's just completely out of gas (laughs) and it does nothing. Uh, Yeah, it looks like... uh... Battlecry Goblin does that same thing. <laughs> Just well, Battle, wrecks. B- BCG has a board presence after it's done. Like, Holy cow. Slaughtermaster is just a 1-1. One, one with You're yeah. just sitting there, no other permanents, no, your, your hand is empty. <laughs> Slaughtermaster is just a mess. Um, but yeah, those are, those, are the, those are the decks that I... Uh, in fairness... Like you know, Lay and Lower Weaver I took apart. They're, they're scrapped as hell. Uh, mm-hmm. Spellheart Chimera scrapped as hell. Uh, Via Shino Slaughtermaster, I didn't scrap it. I just donated it in perpetuity to the pals because sure. Eric loves that deck, and I would I would break his entire heart if I took it apart. But I can just give it away, and then we're both happy. Uh, I don't have a Slaughtermaster deck. No, everybody's right? happy. So yeah. it's kind of group huggish. Yeah, <laughs> the, <laughs> the laughter master. <laughs> yep. Awesome. All right. Well, I. Th- think that about wraps it up for the week do you guys have anything else you want to want to get in here real quick before we hit the outro oh i'm it i'm i'm done yeah it's a good couple hours yeah i'm I'm good talking some pdh yeah Uh, but as usual we got to talk about a few more things before we wrap it up for the week 
If you need more Popper Commander talk or have any questions about the format, you can email the show at thepdhpod at gmail.com or head on over to the PDH Homebase's website. You'll find the Discord server there. You can find Liam and I on Twitter at Popper Command and at Popper underscore B, respectively. And as always, you can find Dave as Alcadron just about anywhere else PDH is being talked about. All these links, the links to the decks, the cards, all this good stuff. It'll be in the uh, in the show details, so look down below and, and click those links. So, All right, as episode 32 of the PDH pod comes to a close, we'd like to give a big thanks to MTG Brad for letting us use their original music for the show. And from everyone here to everyone out there, brew up a deck, play some PDH, and we'll see you next week. Peace. Cheers. See ya. I brought proper decks to the party. 